Welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Schaff, along with and Artemis Brown. We're coming to you this week with episode 21. Uh, guys, this is going to be a great episode. Uh, I'm really excited about it. We're, we've, been, we've been working on these things and putting them out, cranking them out, cranking out interviews. And uh, I think we're working during the week now. Man. Yeah. We used to do these things on Sundays. Now we're working during the week. Like yeah. It's a job. Yeah, man. It is a job. These, I love it. People don't realize how much, how much of of the effort it takes to like actually run a podcast like, to do it correctly and to do it the right way without half-assing it yes it yeah. takes a lot of work and when, when i was working full-time and had had my other job or my full-time job that, i mean that that was i mean that, that was tough um but now, now we're not all the way there yet we still got a lot, lot yeah to do, we, we're still growing this thing we're absolutely. we're gonna be the number one podcast at ecu we, we already believe that we are i don't i mean there's another one out there but we believe that we're the number one no podcast. Shade, no shade, no shade. I'm not, I'm not but. throwing shade, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I think that, I mean, when you listen to us, I think, I think we are the best podcast out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked about this before. I'm, I'm probably overly confident in myself and in my abilities, but um, I, I think we're doing pretty good. Um, Artie, but how, how are you doing, man? I'm good, brother. I'm good. Not much has changed since the last time we, you know, got together and did this thing, just working and grinding and trying to live life the best way I can during this whole pandemic that we're on day 2056 or something like that. So it, it just seems like nothing will ever change. <laughs> Nothing's ever changing. We're, we're in this forever. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, uh, it's just like Groundhog but Day. But I did go home last night after work and I watched actual basketball, which made my heart very happy. So What was the score? Two phenomenal games. Okay. Yeah, the Jazz and the, uh, the Pelicans. I forget the final score, but that, that came down to the wire. That was inside about two points. And then my, my game of the night was Lakers-Clippers. You had Paul George hit a three with like 15 seconds LeBron left. LeBron James. Might have the dagger. And then LeBron James gets the ball back, misses his first initial uh, shot, and then gets his own rebound put back. That's your game winner. Somebody so, needs to get this man some just for men. It could not have started any better last night you didn't catch inside that, did you? the bubble. I called it. I just chose not to. <laughs> <laughs> to respond, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's been pretty good over here too. Um, I can't save LeBron's hairline. Just yeah, that, that's his game is still there. That's rogue game, but you know, yeah. What what about the zero dark thirty? He's not doing the zero dark thirty this year. What's your what's your thought on that? Oh, uh, he can't. Man's got a wife and kids. He can't he can't turn the phone off. He's got to keep it on. I get that. Yeah. I mean, he's he's just got you know like, but like because he, because you, in, you in, think in he's a still normal, gonna be po- is he gonna still post year, on social media? I don't think so. Because in a normal year, you know, he gets to go to the playoffs and he goes home. Now he has to stay in this bubble. He, he can't see his wife. He can't see his children. He's got to make sure they're, they're okay while he's not, you know, at the house. So I get that. I mean, I, I know my wife would be upset if I, if I didn't text her. Right. Especially if I was going to be gone for upwards of 70 days. Yeah. So. Live, living my best life at Disney. <laughs> nah, I mean, they're eating, what, tuna sandwiches and it looks like it. What's up with that? The food's not great from what I hear. Not ideal. But I could care less because they're still millionaires. So, yeah. I, you know, they're getting fed three times a day. I don't, I don't really. They're getting three squares? Hey. <laughs> I, I, look, they're, they're not eating oatmeal and, and water every day. You know, they're getting decent food. Artie and I knew it's all about. It's probably not what they want. But. Artie and I knew all about the oatmeal and water in college. Yes. Yep, that, that was a constant meal for us. Um, but, yeah, guys, great episode um, on tap for you all this week. 
we have Ryan Robinson. Mm -hmm. He is an executive associate athletic director for East Carolina University for the external operations and marketing, sales and marketing. Um, he, he, I think this interview that we did, we did it a couple days ago. When, when we sat down with him, I, I think when we talked to him, we didn't really know what to expect. Yeah. But th this conversation it wasn't all about ECU, but it was it, it was a good conversation. You're going to want to listen to this. These are the types of people, guys, that we have working at ECU. That These are the types of people that make ECU special. Um, talking to Ryan, I, I, this was really the first time we'd ever like mm -hmm. conversed and had any real interaction. And I've got to say, this was this was a conversation that I wasn't expecting it to go this way. His his energy was awesome. I was not expecting him to have that kind of energy, you know, from start to finish. And then his, you know, his his, his, his he was kind of comedic yeah. at times too, which which was very very fun and made the made the interview very relaxing. So great interview, great interview. great interview. I mean, a guy that's worked with uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, David Garrard. He's worked with, worked with Peyton Manning, University of Tennessee, um, and now he's at ECU in, in a executive athletic director role. And uh, I, I think I think y'all are really going to enjoy that. I mean, I, I actually was I already. Did you see the messages between me and Chancellor Mitchelson? Like talking I didn't about. See him. So uh, in the interview, you'll hear Ryan kind of chirping me about my Braves hat, and I'm wearing the same <laughs> Braves hat today. Um, but he also mentioned that Chancellor Mitchelson is a Braves fan. So mm -hmm. I sent him a little message about, hey, um, how are the Braves do Like, how do you think the Braves are doing? And um, just told him to make sure to listen to this episode. <laughs> and he was, like, <laughs> asking me about Fultonevich, like the guy that got DFA'd the other day. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was a fun interview that we did with Ryan. And mm -hmm. um, shout out to him um, becoming a new friend of the podcast. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's one of those interviews that we do – and. A lot of times we sit down doing, to do these interviews and we don't know what to expect. And then after we sit, after we finish them and we're sitting here editing them, we're like, that was phenomenal. That was really good. <laughs> so um, we, I guess it's just part of us being naive and not knowing what to, what to expect. Mm -hmm. But it, it was also one of those things where we were like, holy crap, like, this, this was a good conversation. Right. Um, we talk about ECU. We talk about – we talk about um, – Preparations for the season, mm -hmm. what they're looking at maybe for a COVID restrictions mm -hmm. um, as far as attendance goes. So you'll want to, you'll definitely want to stick around for that and uh, and listen to that full interview. Um, but yeah, I think we, I think we've got a great show on tap for everybody. So uh, already, why, why don't we get get started? Let's, Let's get, get this going. thing rolling. So um, we're recording this thing on Friday. Um, we're gonna, we're going to probably put it out early this week. So. Fall camp will start today. Um, it does start later on this afternoon, I believe. Um, Artie, what were you ever expecting us to get to this point to where we would actually have fall camp? It didn't. It didn't feel like it. It didn't feel like we were ever going to get to this point just because we had just been talking about it, talking about it, talking about it, and now it's finally here. It's like, oh crap! Like it's it's actually here. They're actually going to you know they're actually going to start up. Um, excited, man! Super excited. These guys are actually going to get to go out and practice, 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 practice perfect their craft um so you know I'm, I'm super excited i'm super excited to hear you know when the americans gonna actually make everything official um you know other conferences have have you know made their official statements on things some have not so just super excited man football is almost here it yeah. really is yeah and we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about some of those other 
conferences later on in the podcast, probably after the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I mean, I, I think that this is going to be a an exciting time for the team. When I look at the 2020 football season, with everything that's going on in the world, I just want to see that our guys get better. Um, I'm almost at the point to where I'm not even looking at win loss record because who knows? There may not be a full season. Right. Um, so right now, I just want to be able to say, okay, our guys got better this year. They they're better prepared for next year. Um, now, if we go out and we win and we become bowl eligible, that's great. But if we don't, I, I just want to see improvement on this year, and I'm hoping that we'll be able to start seeing that in fall camp. And like we talk about um, in in our interview, mm-hmm. I, I'm excited to see. Okay, can we continue to improve on the back half of last season? Um, and I, I think I think this time with fall camp starting will we'll be good. It'll be a chance for our team to finally say, okay, let's get let's get these reps in. Let, let's put our hands in the ground and put our hands in the dirt and knock heads, you know. And and I think because of everything going on, too, you're going to see extreme team bonding, right? I mean, there's, there's going to be some sort of a like a mini bubble that they have on each campus. And so these guys are just going to be together all the time. So I think, I think team camaraderie, uh, team leadership, team bonding, that's going to be at an all-time high this season just because of everything that's going on in the country. So – Really, really excited to see that. Yeah, as am I. So, um, yeah, we'll have some more information on fall camp um, next week. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, we recorded, we're we recording this podcast before fall camp starts, so don't really have any news to report, but <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, we'll have that next week. But we do have some recruiting news, Artie. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the past day, we've had one guy decide to commit somewhere else other than ECU, but we've also had a big-time – Offensive guard commit to ECU. Yeah. I'm talking six foot four, three hundred pound offensive guard from Hueytown, Alabama. Uh, his name's Richard Pierce. Had some other uh, small school offers, but he chose some FCS offers. Yeah, Alabama State. I know he had like Middle, Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee State. Murray State. Yep. Um, I think he had what? Uh, UT Martin. Did he have like Southeast? Southeast Missouri State, yeah. which I've never heard of. Yeah, I've heard. I know. I know they're pretty good in baseball. Okay. Well, I know we've played them in baseball before, but. Um, yeah, Richard Pierce. He's. I mean, this guy is ginormous, six foot four, two hundred or three hundred pounds. I mean, that these are the types of guys that Coach Houston likes on his team. Mm-hmm. He likes those big, meaty guys that can knock heads, punch you in the mouth, and and take your lunch money. But you got to protect the quarterback. That's number one, right? You yep. got you got to go get a good quarterback, and then after you get a good quarterback, you got to protect that guy. So yeah, and I mean. With with whole nailers, I mean he's 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 the guy. Mm-hmm. I mean he he's getting a lot of national um, consideration around all the writers and everything for all the major awards. They're talking about him now. Mm-hmm. I mean you used to only have that when you were a twelve and one team or whatever. Right now you've got whole nailers coming out of a four and eight season as a sophomore going into his junior season, and they're like. Okay, he can he can maybe make some noise in some of these uh, in some of these awards. Um, but we also have a I, I'm excited about the next guy we're going to talk about, Walter Simmons. Okay. okay, this guy quarterback out of Orange Park, Florida. He's a three star. He holds offers from a lot of big name places already. Places like um, let's see, he's got put offers from Illinois uh, and UCF. Those are ECU, Illinois, and UCF are his top three. Mm-hmm. 
Um, he's also got some small schools like Alabama A&M, Bethune, Cook, Bethune Cookman. Wow, I can't talk right now. Uh, stumbling over my words. Um, I know he's got LSU, uh, let's see, Coastal Carolina, Which Georgia LSU Tech. LSU is not a small school. but <laughs> Georgia Tech, uh, Marshall, Memphis, Old Dominion. I mean, they might have won a national championship. I'm not too sure. But. Don't know. USF, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, Virginia. I mean, this guy. I mean, he, he's got some big time offers, and mm-hmm. his top three are ECU, Illinois, and UCF. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm hoping. I mean, we don't. We don't. Right now, we don't have a big time quarterback. We don't have a quarterback lined up for the 2021 class. Yeah, we have three in the 2020 class. Right, but. It would be nice to see, okay, here's somebody from the 2021 class. Just in case someone with the 2020 class doesn't um, doesn't go all the way through. I, yeah, we, We've talked about that ad nauseum. I mean, Mason Garcia, if he comes out and he lights it up, he, I, I doubt he stays in the purple and gold forever. Um, this, guy is, right. this guy is a true talent. So hopefully well, the, he's got to come out and light it up first. Yeah. So and he, he's gonna he's gonna sit the bench this year. He'll be a red he'll be redshirted. My mm-hmm. my guess this year may get some game action in his four games or the four possible games, but mm-hmm. he will be redshirted this year, especially yeah. with everything else going on in the world. Yeah. Um. And then he'll be a redshirt freshman the next year for Holton's senior year, and then look for him to take the reins his sophomore his redshirt sophomore year. Yeah. Um. But somebody that. The one that kind of disappointed me was Caden Robinson. Uh, he, he committed yesterday. Um, he's a wide receiver. He's from up near where Coach Houston and Coach Harrell are, are from up there in the western part of the state. Um, he, he actually has, I believe Alex Flynn was his quarterback in high school. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the quarterback at App State was actually one of his uh, quarterbacks at JUCO. So, and he's a North Carolina boy. He's from Asheville. Yeah. And so it, it kind of surprised me to see him choose UCF over App State and ECU. Um, a, a big get for UCF, um, considering that they've, got, they've always got some star power in, at quarterback, but um, they've always needed kind of a, one of those highlight real wide receivers, and that's what this guy is. Mm-hmm. Um, this was probably my top recruit in this class, or yeah. one of my top recruits in this class. Um, one of the top targets that ECU has, but – um, unfortunately, he chose UCF, but hopefully we can uh, knock him around some when he comes into Dowdy Ficklin in a couple of years. Um, I mean, and, and that's just look, that's just the business of, of yeah. college football. You I mean, know, that, he, that's he, a he lot too. He probably walked on campus and was like, you know what, UCF is by far the best team in the America, and I have a chance to probably go to a New Year's Six bowl game here. Like, that's 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 probably what went into his mindset when he chose UCF. So, best of luck to him. But like you said, you know, hopefully we can knock him knock him around when we when we play him. Yeah. I, I wish him the best, but except for when he comes to Greenville, when ECU <laughs> goes into what, what's their stadium? Bright House Network no, Stadium. I don't, I don't, I don't know, know what their stadium is called. The the, the Bounce House uh, down there. They they think they have the rowdiest fans in the American Athletic Conference. But I can guarantee, once ECU is back, ECU has the rowdiest fans in in the by conference. far. Yeah, like there, nothing beats a game day in Greenville. Nothing. I mean. We, we can talk about some of the – I mean, yeah, the big SEC schools, they beat it, but – I mean, now obviously we don't have an 80 to 100,000-seat yeah, stadium, but, but I mean, it, when, that, when, that, when Dowdy is full, it is definitely when, when you got 55,000 55, students and alumni and fans jumping up and down mm-hmm. and uh, screaming, when 
singing living on a prayer yeah oh my like that goosebumps every time every single time every time um i mean just the hearing that so hopefully i mean hopefully enjoys his time but i hope ecu i mean ecu's on the come up they're gonna come in there and they're gonna they're gonna shut it shut him down but that that's pretty much it for the recruiting roundup for this week but already um I know we have a long interview with our guest today. Why don't we go ahead and send it over to our interview, um, talk about some of our some of ECU's scheduling, and also talk about um, what their plan is for admitting fans into the stands. Maybe mm-hmm. this is a – I should preface this by saying it's nothing is set in stone, but this is what an executive associate athletic director is saying, okay? So, yep, let's send it over to Ryan Robinson, um, and then we'll – We'll go from there. Let's do it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Our next guest joined the ECU Athletics Department in 2018 and is currently serving the university as the Executive Associate Athletic Director of External Operations. Prior to taking the role at ECU, he worked for the University of Tennessee for three years and in the NFL for the Jacksonville Jaguars for 10 years. Welcome to the Boneyard Podcast, Ryan Robinson. Ryan, how are you doing? Hey, what's up, fellas? How are we doing today? Thanks for having me on. Good, good. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, so uh, thanks for coming on. We're we're really excited to have you on. Um, we've been trying to do this for a couple weeks yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, schedules. Schedules and, and some technical difficulties mm-hmm. have gotten in the way, but here you are. We're, we're happy to have you here. Um, just wanted to kind of jump right in and uh, talk about your time. I want to talk about your time first at ECU. Mm-hmm. Um, so you come in 2018. What, what made this position at East Carolina University – attractive to you? Well, it's a good question. Um, you know, growing in the NFL, part of my time in the NFL, really heard a lot about East Carolina. I worked with David Garrard for probably six years when I was at um, the Jaguars. So I heard a lot about him. And and John Gilbert was somebody I worked with at the University of Tennessee. So when he got this job, um, one of the things I wanted to do was try to pursue the route of becoming an athletic director. Now, having been in this role for a couple of years, I don't I don't know if it's the route I want to pursue. <laughs> but uh, that was kind of the goal when I came here was to kind of, uh, but really just to kind of work with John. And then when John got here, he was raving about the staff that was already here. Uh, some of the people really kind of behind the scenes. And um, I jumped at the opportunity to join him. And, um, you know, he he's – He's somebody I think people are understanding is very honest, very transparent, and uh, you know he he's going to have to make tough decisions. We all are, but uh, he tries to be very direct with it. And plus, man, I mean this fan base is—I've uh, seen it from afar, but to be here, um, it's it's a rabid fan base that they care. Like I, I love people that when we lose a game, I want our fans to be upset. Mm-hmm. It's they're passionate. And you have to understand that comes along with it. So, man, this has been a special place and a really special community as well. 
Yeah, and I know East, I know Artie and I, we, we're part of that fan base and alumni base. Yeah. And um, it, it's been something, especially over the last couple of years, it's been hard to been hard to watch and been hard to be a part of at times. But we're, we're still Pirates through and through, and uh, we're, we're proud to be Pirates. And I, I'm sure you'll, you're excited to see once we finally have another winning football season. <laughs> um, hopefully that's sooner rather than later. We will. But, oh, yeah. Um, and then – you talk about John Gilbert now you, you talk about like the things that like he does that working with him is um, make, makes your job easier. But I want to know like on a day-to-day basis working with John Gilbert, what is that like? Well, I mean, you know, like I said, I've known John since probably 2015. First of all, John is a very funny person that I don't think people realize because it's funny when I see people say, man, John Gilbert, he's so quiet and so serious. He's actually a very funny guy, very personable. Um, But what I learned from John on a daily basis is he's really good at this. He's a great listener. Uh, I think we all get in this business and we want to fill up the air with talk. And what I've Mm -hmm. learned from John is, man, just sit back and listen and get all the information before you make decisions. And he, he's really taught me that. And listen, right now, it's, t- it's a tough time in college athletics. It's a yep. tough time everywhere. And he, he has made, remained steadfast as a leader. And that's what I've, I've learned a lot about him, how to deal with certain situations that would bore you guys, but in college athletics, <laughs> it might be a small situation, but how to handle it. So, um, you know, I think John is East Carolina. We're fortunate to have him here. And what he's done, too, is, um, like, I love some of the hires we've made with uh, – I know everybody talks about Coach Houston, but, like, our women's basketball coach is dynamite. Yep. Um, you just watch that program. It's coming. And then, you know, we added a new volleyball coach in Adler Augustine. So, I, I, I just think every day, you know, and I'm sure everybody has somebody in their life you just learn from every day. Mm-hmm. But also – you know, like I took John out to play golf last week because he didn't get out of the office much. And it was kind of funny to see his competitive side come out. No, he's not a scratch golfer. He's far from I was about to say, what, what's he's, the he's handicap? He's what we like, like to call the double-digit <laughs> handicap. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm, I'm, um, I'm right there with him. Yes, much, much like yeah. Dan already. <laughs> but he's fun to play with because he's one of those golfers that, that thinks, okay, so I'm playing three times a year, but I'm supposed to be really good. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. You should not be frustrated at all. You don't play at all. Right. But still highly competitive. I, I, I love it, though. Oh, I'm, I'm the same. <laughs> now, exact same now Ryan, what, what is your handicap? My handicap right now is about a nine. Okay, not bad. I like to play – I like to play on Saturday and Sunday. And then sometimes during the week, uh, I have been able to during this pandemic because we've had furlough days. We're taking vacation because I'm. my expectation is – Usually I quit golf every year about probably mid-July and don't play again until like March. Okay. Right now, I mean, you have some time on the weekends. And I think everybody, just from a mental health standpoint, and you got to find something that gets you out where you're not thinking about work. Because right now is just a stressful time for everybody in our country. Yeah. So I'm fortunate yeah. to have that. Now, I probably need to get on a treadmill every now and then. <laughs> But uh, instead of getting in a golf cart and playing golf, but that is something I enjoy doing. And I've met some great pirates doing that. Absolutely. Yeah, and anytime, I mean, I know me and Artie, we're not, we're not the greatest golfers, but 
We're, it's we're, not about that, man. Just like yeah. a good time. But yeah, let we should, we should get together and play some golf. We'll do that, that. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll um, do that. You're not allowed to wear that brace hat. <laughs> I'm happy you brought that up. He was, he was talking about that before you uh, before you came well, on. because I grew up, I grew up about three hours outside Cincinnati, so I grew up going to Reds games. Right when okay. I was, they just went, man, really? They hit me with that early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it's as long as long as it's not a uh, Phillies, as long as you're not a Phillies fan or a Mets fan, I'm I'm good with you. Maybe even a Mets fan. Anybody? And do you know Chancellor Mitchelson is a huge. Braves fan. I did not know that. Biggest Braves fans I've ever met. Uh, he, he's a friend of the podcast. We oh, yeah. Talk about we, we didn't even oh, talk I'm about it. I'm telling you, he can go back in the day with you on Braves because I grew up a Dale Murphy fan. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and uh, we talked. Now, he's a Braves fan now. Yeah, I, I'm a Braves fan. Die hard. Love him. I've watched so many games over the course of the last – 25 years that I mean they, they've broken my heart plenty of times but I still love them uh, that's all right but all right, you had a question yeah I was just gonna I was just gonna ask so what is um what is your overall goal and mission I, I guess as the associate athletic athletic director uh of external external operations like what is what is your mission well right now I mean really it's all about engaging with fans now part okay. of my goal right now until we hire a new um Fire club executive director. I'm in the interim role as that as well. Uh, but really, what I think is important here is just engaging with our fans and being transparent. Uh, you know, you see John with some of those letters. We've been doing that with our COVID test. Um, just really kind of letting people know what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, we do got to create more revenue opportunities as an external group. You know, we do, we work with IMG and then our marketing. We, we've got to create more revenue for our athletics department. Um, and I think you can see that. I think everybody knows our financial situation. It's been, been out there everywhere. But um, really, I think our goal is, is going to be engaging with our fans and allowing them to kind of see what goes on here. Mm -hmm. and we need to do a better job of allowing our fans to know our student athletes. And we need to do that through videos and social media. It's not all social media. And, and I think what I've learned here at East Carolina is you got a lot of some older fan base. You know, where oh, yeah. the information is when we email. When we email them with, you know, we did all these social distancing videos with John. I think you all saw. Yep. And they're not watching them on social media. A lot of them are watching them when you email them. Okay. Open up and watching it. So uh, you got to know your fan base, man. And, um, this is a, a fan base. They want to connect. Uh, it's all about our fans. I mean, that's really what it's all becoming all around college athletics right now. And that's what makes right now so hard because, you know, we can get into it, but we're, we're spending so much time thinking, man, how, you know, can we get our fans in our stadium, even if it's a limited capacity? Like, how can we do it to be safe? Because we know they want to be there. And that's what's hard because you you know you're going to be at a limited capacity. Yeah, and already already now we're just talking about the about um, how tough it's going to be, especially this year, if it's going to be a limited capacity. I know Ohio State just said something about twenty percent mm -hmm. into their stadium. Um, are you seeing anything like that, or or have y'all? I know that there's been discussions, but um, and right now, if you had to guess. What direction is ECU looking or leaning in? 
or well i think where we're leaning in is trying to get our season ticket holders into the stadium okay and we're a little bit under eleven thousand. now you have to understand there's another there's so many different variables that come with that you also okay visiting team tickets you know you've got recruits you've got other tickets but we have room where we can do some socially distant sections. You know, I do think masks are going to be a part of it. Uh, I'm hoping that we can put something out early next week. I think where we've waited, the reason we've waited is to kind of see if there's been any direction from like the conference and on a national level. And if you're seeing right now, I mean, you've got 20%, what Texas came out and said 50%. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we got to follow all the state and local guidelines. So I could sit here and tell you right now, man, we're going 50%. And somebody in a week could say, hey, the, the rule in state is you can only have this much capacity. We're planning for a lot of stuff. Now, we are fortunate and unfortunate. We're fortunate that this year in particular, our season ticket holder number is not as high. So we can kind of try to get everybody in and keep it at a 25 to 35% capacity. That makes sense. Now, hopefully in the future, we can be like a lot of these other schools where we're selling 20,000 season tickets, and they are really having to turn season ticket holders away. And that's what a lot of these schools are doing. What they're doing is they're basically saying, hey, man, we got 25,000 season ticket holders. We can't take care of everybody, so we're going to refund you all your money, and then we're kind of creating a whole new seating chart where you can buy in by game at a priority. We don't have to do that right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we feel like we've got a good plan moving forward, but obviously if anybody wants a refund, they can have it. If people aren't comfortable going to games. Um, and let's hope that we have fans in the stands. Right. I don't think anybody knows that for sure. But yeah. if, you all, if you if you came to the ECU game, would you feel like you would want the social distance if you were wearing a mask? Or would oh. you sit, you know, in a crowded section? Yeah, I mean – Personally, I know that I would I'd be okay with wearing a mask. Yeah, if if I can still go and watch watch ECU play in person, I I could yeah. I could definitely. It it might be brutal to do it on August 29th <laughs> if it's a three o'clock game against Marshall and Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. That, yeah, that might yeah. be tough. But uh, I I can say that any other time, like I would definitely be willing to sit there socially distant. I, I don't mind sitting six feet away from Artie um, and. <laughs> Wearing a mask. There's some people, I told somebody, I'm going to get a shirt when this pandemic is finally saying, when this pandemic is over, I'm going to get a shirt that says, I'm still social distancing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind that part. But, yeah, we, so we're looking at a little bit of that. Um, you, somebody could say, man, ECU's been kind of quiet the last couple of weeks. My main thing is don't want to put something out. They have to put something out three days later and say, hey, we've changed. Yep. You don't want to – it's always easier. As long to- as we can. It's always it's always easier to roll something out rather than having to retract that statement. Yeah. Um, so that's what that's what our plan is. And but also obviously we're hoping we have some answers from the conference and everybody in the next. I would guys. I'll be honest with you. Hopefully by early next week. That, that would that would be great to great to have. Now I had one more question. So you talk about the you talk about the pirate club, your involvement with that and the season the season tickets. Um, are season tickets still available for fans once they hear that, okay, it may just be season ticket holders. Can they still buy those season tickets? 
No, because what we're going to do, we're going to cap that where um, we've got a certain number that we can go up. It's not much, and then we'll have to stop selling. That's why gotcha. John put out earlier, we're just not going to be able to sell single-game tickets. Because mm -hmm. if we did that, um, we'd be over kind of the capacity number that we have in our head. And I'm, I'm trying to be transparent. Like a capacity number in my head is like a 25 30%, maybe a little higher. Um, but – it depends on so many different factors. Um, you know, you've got to follow the state and local guidelines. Um, you know, we're not just, we're not sitting in a room making a decision. We're dealing with a lot of different people. Um, so yeah, there, it would be hard pressed to find season tickets um, after probably next week. And then also a single game, we just don't see that happening. Okay, got you. But there's no. just so many different, you know, guys, we're working, we just got out of a meeting where you know, we're working on what they want to do on the field is, is kind of create like a bubble, uh, which you've got to. So you're, you're going to see very few people on the football field this year that aren't, you know, players, officials. Uh, so it, it's just a – it's going to be different. But you know what? I was talking to a coach I used to work with the other day, and you just got to understand, man, there's going to be some inconveniences right now. Mm -hmm. Yep. Our coaches and student athletes have been great. It's just – um, it's what we're dealing with. It's reality. I mean, look, you're doing a podcast in your home right now. Um, yeah. it's, it's just reality right now. Yeah, it, it's been it's been definitely a weird time for for all, especially those of us that are in the sports world. And, and yeah, and, and us starting this podcast, we st we started this podcast at probably the worst possible time. <laughs> when did y'all start it? So this is this will be episode twenty one. Mm -hmm. um, so we started literally our second episode, uh, our first episode, first real episode, we were talking about the American Athletic Conference basketball tournament. Yep. And then, and then it got canceled, I think, what, two or three days later? Yeah, we put out the episode. <laughs> I, the, the text I sent Artie, I was like, so, great time to start a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, John and I were in Texas, and um, – we got on, I've never got on a plane so fast. We were in the lobby when they when we told Coach Billy, hey, they're getting ready to cancel the basketball. And John got on, we got on a flight back. And I'll never forget as we're, I think I, we were on the flight and I had Wi-Fi and I looked over and I said, John, look at this. And he said, the NCAA men's basketball tournament has been canceled. Mm. Everything you remember, it happened so fast. And that's why I think we've got to be safe right now. Uh, you know, wear a mask and, and social distance. You don't want that to happen. You don't want to go back. Um, no. It's, it's been a rough, listen, guys, it's been a rough, you know, for everybody, man. It's been a rough, you know, four or five months. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, we still don't have staff here. Uh, we've got a really, we got three or four people in the Pirate Club, a couple of administrators, but uh, I miss everybody. You all get to know me. I'm a very personal person. I love to be around people. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it's tough. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's been a tough four or five months, but we gotta stay positive. And we gotta get through it. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Cause I mean, personally, I mean, I've been laid off because of because of what's going on. I mean, yeah. my my whole job was let go um, because of what's going on, and I don't know if that that position will ever be back. But um, yeah, it's been tough on everybody. I think it's it's been some one of those things, and. That's that's the hardest part about all of it for me is somebody that loves sports, taking away the the sports. I mean, you can yeah. take away other things, but the sports are 
were my outlet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I know, I know that for me has been probably the hardest part is not having a baseball game, not being able to watch the Braves beat the Reds on a <laughs> Wednesday night. But, um, but yeah, that's, that, that's what we're dealing with right now as, as a world, as a country. And, um, it, it's just, it's, it's been tough, but, Artie, did you have a you had another question? Yeah, I, I wanted to switch gears just a little bit, and I kind of wanted to uh, ask you, Ryan, about your time uh, spent in the NFL and um, kind of how that prepared you for this role that you're in now. Man, I tell you, you know, I I was talking to John about this the other day. He said, you know, do you ever think about going back to the NFL? And I think the biggest thing for me, the hours that people put in in the NFL, uh, it's crazy. I mean, it's it's basically for six or seven months, you don't, you're not getting a day off. It's seven months a year. Mm-hmm. What I really have taken from the NFL is the importance of relationships. Um, met so many, you know, professional athletes. I still call really good friends. Right. Um, they come from all different backgrounds. So as we're kind of going through what we're going through in our society right now, um, it's sad because, um, I'm still educating myself on everything that's going on and trying to get better. But uh, I'm so used to diverse locker rooms Mm -hmm. and, um, but that's not enough. Like we've got to continue to talk about it and educate ourselves about it. And I think that's, what's been so important to me not to go off on a tangent, but like we're, we're starting a council here. Kim McNeil, our women's basketball coach is leading kind of a racial diversity council. And, Mm -hmm. um, it's been important to listen and, and learn, but I, I will tell you, it kind of goes full circle because in the NFL, that's what I learned, man, was everybody has a story. And we have so many student athletes on our campus. We have, they have a story. Some came from nothing. Hey, some, some came from a lot. Yep. We've got to do a better job of telling those stories. Uh, and the NFL is different in regards that you're basically with these players seven days a week. So, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not a big name dropper, but let's just say Maurice Jones Drew running back. He's one of my really good friends because for I watched every game of his career with the Jaguars. So we spent literally six days a week together. I saw him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, those relationships are important, man. You learn about life. You learn about where people come from and what they've had to deal with. So um, sometimes I miss that in college because when you get in administration, you're not around the student athletes as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I miss that. Uh, but when you choose to get in this business, that's kind of where, where it goes, where you're, you're making decisions. Uh, you're trying to do everything in the best interest of your student athletes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now you worked with a little known quarterback by the name of Peyton Manning. Uh, yeah. How was it, how was it working for him and actually working for his payback or yeah, payback uh, found foundation? Well, it was great, and I think, you know, I started working for the Colts before I did the Payback Foundation, and I was just talking to Harold Varner about this because Harold is starting – he's got the HV3 Foundation, but he's getting ready to take this thing to the next level. I'm really excited about what Harold is doing. And I was telling him when I started that, man, it was just Peyton saying, hey, Ryan, I want to start a foundation, figure it out. So I I learned pretty quickly how to run a foundation, what's important, uh, learn so much from Peyton just about preparation, man. Yep. He, he is just, you don't go to Peyton five minutes before and say, hey, I need you to do something. It's like, no, you should have told me that yesterday so I'm prepared. Mm-hmm. I mean, the interview that Peyton did 
every speech he did, he was prepared. He was never winging it. So I've learned a lot about him. Um, he remains a really good friend to me uh, that offers advice and I think, you know, supports what I'm trying to do of, of trying to become an athletic director. But he is a, he is a good person, but there are so many guys like Peyton who get in the NFL that, man, it's their job. And, you know, when you lose a game, uh, no one talks to each other for like three days. I mean, it, it's painful. Uh, like when the Braves lose, uh, <laughs> they've got – well, the thing about it is with baseball, you've got – now you don't, but you got 100 and whatever games. Right. Mm. You get 16 opportunities. Yeah, that's it. It's tough. And, and injuries, being a part of watching people get injured and tough. Um, but I think everything you go through in life, man, I think it's so important to take something from it and learn something from it. And I'm learning so much here uh, at East Carolina that um, I'm going to take with me, but hopefully I, I can be here a while. Yep. Yeah, and we're, we're glad to have you. I, I had a couple more questions. Let me pull my notes back up. But uh, really, one of, the, one of the things that I, I find with your background, especially with the foundation, the fundraising ability and you've been working with the pirate club for a little bit now. Um, what, what does the pirate club, how's the pirate club stand up next to other uh, foundations or other uh, groups in the country from your experience? Well, first of all, we got really good staff here. I mean, you have some people here and like a Mark Hester and a Matt Maloney that have been here a long time and have great relationships but I will tell you, just from people I talked to in the conference, when I told them, hey, you know, we were able to raise $6 million or whatever for our annual fund for scholarships, which are so important, people are blown away by that. But it goes to show you the support that we get here in East Carolina. So I would say it stacks up very well. Um, and there's just a bunch of loyal pirates here. And I think we're – I'm so appreciative. I'm appreciative of the $100 donor just as much. That's what it's going to take. Um, you know, obviously, East Carolina made the decision. I wasn't a part of it, but made the decision to go to the American Athletic Conference. And, you know, expenses get higher mm -hmm. uh, to compete at this level. And I, mean, I think this year alone, our, our scholarship costs are probably going to be about $9 million, eight or $9 million. So um, raising money is a key part of it. But we've got an unbelievable – I mean, just – I'll, I'll tell you, this is what will show you the support. Like right now at Dowdy Ficklin, we have all our suites sold out, all of our loads boxes sold out. Wow. Pandemic. That shows you how special this fan base is. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, people are blown away when I tell them that. Now, obviously, like you said earlier, we got to win. Mm -hmm. Coach Houston knows that. Um, that's part of it. But we also got to provide, on our end, we got to provide – options for our fans to have a good time when they come to the game. We started that last year. Unfortunately, this year, I don't know how much we're going to be able to do, uh, if any. Uh, like the kids zone, I, I can see that probably not happening this year just for the sake mm -hmm. of it. But we've got to provide an experience for our fans where, man, I don't want to sit home and watch it on TV. I want to be there. Exactly. I'm game with my friends, and I want to be there. And it's coming. Um, it's coming, but no, I mean, the Pirate Club is it's a special group of people, and uh, I hope everybody understands that even a $100 donation means a lot. And um, 
So we're getting there, man. It's it's gonna. We took a step back, obviously, with all this, but we just got to keep plowing forward. Now, Ryan, what would you what would you say has been the greatest uh, professional milestone of of your career? <laughs> greatest professional milestone, man. That's a um, it's a good question. When I was at, you know, when I was at Tennessee, we were named the. Um, <clears throat> I think we were named like the sports information or communications team of the year. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool because we had a team of four or five people. But I will tell you that the professional milestone that I've had, it involves a kid, and you all could Google him. His name is Luke Ackerstrom. Okay. Um, when, I was at the univer- when I was at the Jaguars, <laughs> I got really tight with Luke. And he um, – basically, Luke was, I think, five or six and lost all feeling in his body. Mm-hmm. No, no. Ended up being some kind of disease. It's got a long name, but really just got to know him. And after six months, I think it was six to seven months, he kept working, kept working, we kept visiting. And uh, we had him walk out and do the coin toss for one of our NFL games. Wow. And Rick Riley from, uh, at that time, Sports Illustrated came down to featuring. And it goes back to those, the relationships, man. The people you get to meet in this industry. It's not always the the Peyton Mannings or the Edrum James or Marvin Harrison, mm-hmm. and those are great. And I'm glad to call them friends. But man, it's the people you meet. I, I watched. I don't know if you all saw this. There's a a kid in Baltimore that passed away last night. But I, I've seen all the Orioles mm-hmm. players talk about. That's what it means, man. When you, you're in this business and you get to meet special people like that, those are the milestones. That's awesome. Yeah. The, now, I will that, tell you. I will tell you too. Now, playing Augusta National, that was <laughs> like a professional and personal milestone I got to do two years ago. That um, was probably one of the greatest things I've ever been involved with. That that's absolutely on the bucket list. I absolutely yeah. want to go to Augusta. It should be. Yeah, it should like, be. It, it that's we had this conversation with one of our friends here recently. One of our friend's girlfriends was talking about how she had tickets. To the Masters, <laughs> she had t- like one of her colleagues gave was like, "Hey, do you want tickets to the Masters?" Like me and my boyfriend can't go. She was like, "Nah, like my boyfriend, which is like mine and Artie's best friend." Yeah. <laughs> she said, "My boyfriend and I, we we don't really watch golf. We don't really care about it." And so when she told me, "Yeah, like I turned down tickets to the Masters,", to the Masters. and we, I was we like, just... "The Masters? <laughs> you turned down tickets to the?" I was like, "You know how hard it is to get tickets to the Masters, and you had all four days." <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, but I think, too, man, it's just – I can't harp on enough. Like, just even meeting with you guys right now, and that's what's been interesting, meeting everybody in Greenville. I got a really good group of friends that I play golf with, and they're local business people. But – and people are just genuinely nice people here, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I don't take that for granted, guys. Um, I've been some places where it's not like that. So to have that here is, uh, I don't take that for granted. And and I understand, listen, when you're in this position, there's expectations. You got to win. You got to succeed. You got to do the right things. You're going to be held accountable. I get that. I am all about someone holding me accountable um, because I know we're going to continue to try to do the right things and, uh, and try to have success. Yeah, and uh, we're, we're, like I said, a couple of times already. We're, we're very happy to have you. Um, I appreciate it, just, guys. Just 
just the talk. This is really the first interaction that the three of yeah, us. Yeah, I'm had. sorry. We've yeah. been. Um, mm -hmm. It's just been a wild ride. I don't mind coming on anytime. Then hopefully we get John on. I think you'd love John. Um, yeah. John is. Uh, he's a funny guy that uh, would be good, really good in this setting. Yeah, we. We're, we're, we've been working on it. We're we're, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna make it happen. You know, there's some eventually. channels we gotta go through. But... For you. All right, appreciate that. Sounds great. But before <laughs> before we go, we have one question. You've been in you've been in Greenville long enough. You can answer it, and I know you can. This is gonna be the hardest question we ask the whole podcast. Okay. All right. All right. So the question is: You're in Greenville. Uh, it's a you get done playing around the golf, and then you go over to get some lunch. Maybe an early dinner. You go to a place little known called Sup Dogs. Uh, <laughs> what is the order at Sup Dogs? Man, that's hard <laughs> because you're gonna laugh because I don't get the hot dogs. Okay, okay that's fine. I get the burger, and it's the um, trying to think what it's called. It's like a cheeseburger with bacon. The world class bacon cheese fried yep. burger. Yeah, like I'm very plain. I have never had the hot dogs at Sup Dogs. But okay. I will get the cheeseburger with the sauce and the fries. I love the fries. Now, I'm going to go to Sub Dogs, but I'm also every once in a while going to pass Sub Dogs and go to uh, Chico's. So, okay, uh, another good place. We do love Chico's. So, yep. Yeah, Chico's. Now, I'm also going to hit a little Sam Jones if I get a chance. So I've got kind of three or four spots around here that um, I go to a lot. But, you no, know, Sub Dogs, man, um, that is some really good food. Oh yeah, some some really good food, really good people, really good drinks. But oh yeah, uh, oh, yeah. Th thank you again. But you Ryan. got great places too, like Tiebreakers too. Does well. oh Tiebreakers. I only have been to Tiebreakers. Um, Cubbies. I love. Oh I love yeah, some yep. Cubbies. It's not downtown Cubby. anymore, but I've got a uh, I got a little order when I roll through Cubbies. It's steak and cheese fries with some um, hush puppies. There it is. Mm. I, I mean, I got it. So, but no, man. Anytime you guys want to have me on, man, just let me know. Definitely, Ryan. Thank you for thank you for joining us. Um, it's been it's been a blast. This has been one of the best interviews we've done. Yeah, it has. This has been a very very good interview. Well, just don't you know? I don't want this is going to be a down year for the Braves. So I just want you to. <laughs> you, know, you just had a guy that made the All Star game in 2018, a pitcher that you just demoted. Oh, we just talked about that. Yeah, so that's that fantastic. Kind of shows you where that is fantastic. Where it's headed right now for Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, I mean, after he allowed ten runs in the game five of the NLDS last year, I was saying cut him then. So, <laughs> so man, you guys have a good day. You do the same. Appreciate that, Ryan. Thank you. All right, bud. Uh, once again, we want to thank Ryan Robinson on a great interview. Uh, like I said earlier, great energy, uh, really funny guy, and uh, really enjoyed that interview. And I hope you guys did too. But uh, Jared, we've got some scheduling news as far as the SEC and the ACC. They came out uh, yesterday or a couple of days ago and decided what they're going to do uh, as far as their schedule. How do you feel about uh, what the SEC and ACC have done? I mean, I, I, I get it. Um all the other power five conferences are doing it um i i don't understand why we're, we're all jumping the gun i don't know why we're saying okay the sec is going to cancel games because of because of what i mean what why are you getting rid of these games does does the virus discriminate against borders <laughs> <You're right. laughs> 
<laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't agree with you more, man. I, I really could not agree with you more. That, that doesn't make sense to me, like, because you're not taking you're not taking traveling out of this out of this situation, right? Right. These guys are still going to be getting on chartered planes yep. and flying to places, right? They're not just going to be taking buses from state to state. They're still going to be getting on planes, right? So, like you said, is this virus discriminating against states? Like, I, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I, and I saw, I saw I saw a report come out earlier this week. It was about how um, South Carolina needed to cut, or the SEC needed to cut it, and how South Carolina's non-conference opponents, like the quote-unquote non-Power 5 conference opponents, I don't know who the other two were. They were two scrubs, but ECU <laughs> basically said, like, they don't have the same testing protocols and the same – no, the American Athletic Conference has implemented the same testing protocols mm-hmm. as the a- SEC, ACC, as all the Power 5 conferences. Right. The American Athletic Conference – their members have enough money to implement those testing protocols and implement the same um, restrictions as the SEC, the ACC, the Pac-12, Big 12, Big 10, whatever. The, so ECU is doing the same exact thing that South Carolina is doing. So it just goes to show that there is some bias there um, as far as the media goes mm-hmm. against the Power 6 conference. Um, I, I don't understand it i don't know why they would just say okay well maybe if you're not if your protocols aren't up to these standards then your games are going to be canceled right but you i know what i think is happening is these autonomous conferences the power five conferences um for lack of a better term um they're saying okay well we are going to try to just keep it to ourselves this is them trying to they found a reason to break off from the group of five, quote unquote. Right. They found a reason to break off. Now they're going to show that they can do it and that they're. And trying to show whose conference is better, right? The SEC right. wants to prove that they're better. The ACC wants to prove that they're better. The Pac-12, but, even though they but, have nobody, they want to prove that they're better. I, I, you know, but I, how else do you do that without playing other conferences? And and one thing I've been thinking about, the SEC can can truly create a monopoly, right? I mean, they're going to have all, all of the power five. They're going to have what they're trying to they're do. They're going to have ten or twelve teams in the top twenty-five. You know, Alabama's going to play five or six ranked teams because they're doing a conference-only schedule. And, and that, that gets, and so that's going to automatically, even though they got two losses, oh, well, Alabama's beaten five top ten teams, even though they've lost to two top and, fifteen teams. They're still going to be like number one in the country. And that that brings up the issue with the preseason top 25s and then you'll have a UCF run the table but they'll be 24 25th yeah so that, that that's what when you have the media voting on stuff and the media is the ones paying or getting paid because of Alabama or a Penn State or an Ohio State and I'm, I'm throwing some shade here at Alabama and Penn State I, I know I've got some uh, in-laws that are listening that are alums of those two wonderful institutions. Great institutions, yeah, absolutely great institutions. Yeah, yeah Penn State's just never done really, anything just wrong, Just don't right? really like the fan bases of, of those two institutions, Penn, that's Penn, all. Penn State's never done anything wrong. Oh, don't go there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, I think that the I, – I don't, I don't even know, like they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to get rid of playing these group of five conferences – they're, they're, what they want the group of five to do is they want them to go away and go play spring ball and basically be the FCS. And then notice what the ACC did. They added Notre Dame into their uh, conference-only schedule 
to bolster their conference and to have that Clemson Notre Dame, which you know, Clemson Notre Dame was already going to play each other to begin with, but adding Notre Dame to the ACC only helps because the ACC does not have a lot of legitimate football teams. So I, I kind of see what they did there by trying to add an independent like Notre Dame into their conference. Yeah, I mean, the Notre Dame's basically been playing a ACC schedule in the last. They have. They play, I think, five or six ACC teams a year. Yeah, and let's 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 all be upfront about it. The ACC schedule, other than Clemson, it's nothing to write home about. No. Now this year it's going to be pretty decent. You have Carolina. Everybody's high on Carolina. I, I still have them losing four games. They, everybody's they, high on they Carolina. Haven't, they haven't proven anything to me, but they'll lose now, four. Look, an eight and four season's still good, but I don't, I don't have yeah, them but, being they, this extraordinary team under Mac Brown in the second and, season. An eight and four season at Carolina will have them ranked in the top 12. Probably. And it doesn't make sense. It'll have them ranked in the top 12 in eight and four season but there. they would probably go, you know, one and four against ranked teams. Yeah. Yeah. So. But since they played those ranked teams, that's that's going to be their their. It, it doesn't. That's my problem with the ranking system. Until you can have a true algorithm and somebody a lot smarter and a lot uh, with somebody that has a lot more knowledge as far as algorithms and spreadsheets go, is going to have to do it than me. Somebody mm-hmm. somebody's going to have to do it. It's not going to be me. But you have to find a way to rank people, rank teams based on their strength of schedule, true strength of schedule, an unbiased strength of schedule, because right now strength of schedule is based on rankings. You can't have that. If you, if you want a true ranking, you're going to have to go back to, okay, these are how – you're, you're going to have to almost get rid of some of the conferences. And I was, I was just going to say, speaking of Carolina, I kind of like what Mac Brown had to say about a commissioner of college football. I kind of liked it. You kind of get rid of these conferences, and you actually have a true format – where it's mano a mano, strength of schedule against strength of schedule. Exactly. Quality wins against quality wins, and that's how you base it off, off of that. And honestly, get rid, of, get rid of how they're doing it now. Play a 10-game season. There's no need to play 12 games. Play a 10-game season and have a true playoff system. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's the only way. You'll still get your bowl games in. Yeah. Like, you can't tell me that the FBS can't do it because I see it every year when the FCS does it. You know, you can't tell me that. Use the bowl games as, as your playoffs. Yeah, which which is what they've been doing, but it's only four teams. Yeah, which is it's, expand, it's just not enough. Expand it into some of the other smaller bowls, and say, okay, yeah, these bowl games, they're these are all going to be playoff games. Yeah, you'll still have your at large games. They're not gonna. I mean, they're not gonna be for the playoffs, but mm-hmm. they're gonna be for at least a bowl trophy. You'll right. you'll get that money. You'll get that. You'll get that notoriety to, of winning a bowl game, but you right. take take the top twenty teams. Take the top twenty teams. If you want to do it and you do it that way, take the top twenty teams. It's gonna take a while to get the top twenty. Even though I agree with you, it's gonna take a while to do that. I mean, I think eight is a legitimate like that's something we can see in the next few years. I mean, they, I think twelve would I'm be pretty kind sure, of perfect. I'm pretty sure they do like thirty two in FCS. Yeah. So you. you uh, you can, once again, I can't see why you could do but, 32 in FCS, but you can't do 32 in FBS because FBS. And I agree with you. If you're going to have a top 25, you're basically saying, well, those top 25 teams in the country are good enough to on any given Saturday, right, to yeah. beat anybody in the country, right? Yeah. But Seedle. only four teams get to really compete for a national Seedle. championship. So. Yeah. Or, or what you do is you take the top 12 or you take the winners of all the conferences, of every conference, every just like they do in the NCAA basketball tournament. Mm-hmm. 
take the winners of every conference, and you have maybe five or six at-large bids because you have – what do you have? You have 11 teams. So, yeah, take the – you have 11 conferences. Take the – you do – take the – Top twelve, maybe have a, maybe have some playing games, and then because you, you know, would have you would have your, your top seeds get by. You would have you, you would have your top independent schools, right? Right. So take the eleven conferences, and then take one from the independent schools. Which honestly, that's probably going to lead more people to go to independent anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, tr- there's not any more money there, but you can have some flexibility with your scheduling. Um, so take. 12 teams from that, and then you take four at-large bids. So whatever four teams, that what that would do is that will get you in your, say Alabama wins the SEC, they'll get your Georgia in, they'll get your LSU in. Mm-hmm. Uh, say Carolina wises up and beats Clemson or wins the ACC tournament right. or ACC championship. Well, you have Clemson up there. They're top 10 team they should have been in. Like, that, that's that's how you do it. Then you have 16 teams, so you have what? What's that? Three rounds. Mm-hmm. So, and then you have your championship game. By the end of it, you're playing the same amount of games if you're the champion as if you weren't. You're, you're playing 14 games at that point. And, and at the end of the day, the team that is supposed to be there in the end, they will will, will be there in the end. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I don't like. I don't want to hear anybody from SEC saying that's not fair. Like, don't don't give me that. Yeah. So. That leads me into uh, I've, I've been meaning to bring this up already on the podcast for a couple weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um, we got tweeted at, even though they didn't tweet at the right, um, they didn't tweet at the right Twitter handle <laughs> at Barnyard Podcast, sir. This is a ECU podcast, not an NC State podcast. I, <laughs> I, I used that joke on Twitter. Uh, not many people got it, but now y'all hopefully y'all will get it. This is what Michael Suter. So Michael Suter is my father-in-law. He is a Penn State alum. Um, my stepmother-in-law, his wife, is an Alabama, University of Alabama alumni, Roll Tide. Um, this is what he tweeted at us. I noticed that you hate power, you hate the power of conferences. Can you tell me where Jared's wife went to school and which conference that team was in? Artie, would you care to tell him where my wife went to school? She went to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Yep. Which is in the Atlantic Coast Conference. And we do not hold that against her. I love her, I love her dearly. Again. I've said this on the show several times. I'm a Michigan man. He's, I love my Michigan Wolverines. It, we it, are not haters. At least I'm not haters of the Power Five. We just want parity. Exactly. And fairness. So, and I, I think our last conversation really answered the, the question about what, what we think about the Power Five. Mm-hmm. I believe that there are five power conferences, but I do not believe that they're the Power Five conferences that everybody thinks that they are. Right. They're the Power Five conferences because of money. So Michael, Michael also goes on to ask, I went to Penn State and my wife went to Alabama. Do you think we should ask our alma maters to disavow their conferences and join the AAC, the American Athletic Conference? No. We don't want y'all. I mean, yeah, if Alabama wants to join the American. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, like. We're not going to say no. But, like, you mean to tell me, Michael, that you would rather have a Rutgers or a Maryland in the Big Ten over a team like UCF, Cincinnati, I mean USF. Well, not USF because they they're not good anymore. They were pretty good there for a while. Houston, um, I mean Houston would be pretty good in the Big Twelve. 
better than West Virginia. West mm-hmm. Virginia would be better in the in the Big Ten. It's all about money. It's not about regionalization anymore, which is why it's so absurd that. So we're we're, we're in Studio Two. Yeah, we've got a bunch of cars. We got uh, some cars going by this going by us. while we're recording. But um, yeah, you 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 mean to tell me that like those schools don't belong in a Power Five conference? And it, when you look at like the Pac-12, mm-hmm. the Pac-12 ain't worth shit. Like. Um, they, they just aren't. Look, all you have to do is run the numbers and check the scoreboard. Yeah. Right? Since the creation of the American Athletic Conference, we have competed every single year, year in and year out. And consecutive it, teams, not team teams, in the top twenty-five. Just, just check, just, just check the scoreboard. That's 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 all year, we're saying. Yearly, you have four to five teams ranked in the American Athletic Conference for football, and then you you always know what's going to happen around week ten, week. Nine-ish, they're going to start dropping teams out mm-hmm. from the American Athletic Conference and bumping in teams that are nine and three, or bumping in teams that are eight and four, or even seven and five at times. They're going to start bumping those teams into the power or into the top twenty-five mm-hmm. and dropping teams that are ten and one or eleven and one in the American Conference out to boost the strength of schedule of the Alabamas, of your LSUs, of your Clemsons, you start to see that. It, it happens every year. I mean, UCF last year, I believe it was UCF last year, they had a bye week. Didn't play. They were like, at this point, I think they were 8-2, and two, mm-hmm. had a bye week, and they fell like three spots in, yeah. the, in the rankings. Yeah, now, te- now they did lose to a team last season they should not have lost to. I, I forget what team they lost to, but it was it was it was an upset of UCF. Pittsburgh. Yeah, they, they should have won that game. They should have beat Pittsburgh, and it, it came down to the wire. Mm-hmm. But once again, it goes it goes to show like yeah, UCF didn't have the season that they wanted to have last year. But when you look at it, I mean, they they, they they basically if 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 you if you have two losses in the American, you can forget it. Yeah, you can forget it. You you just you're not. <laughs> You know, you might not even be in the top 25. So. But, but then you have a team like App State who, when you look at this year's Phil Still and his magazine for this year, the Sun Belt was the 11th ranked conference. Mm-hmm. There's 11 conferences in FBS. Sun Belt was the 11th. They went 11-1, and one, and their one loss was to Georgia State, an ECU opponent this year. Mm-hmm. And you it's not mean, a bad football team. Not a bad football team, but, I mean, that's not a good conference. Who do you have? University of Louisiana Monroe. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really couldn't tell you the teams in the Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's Coastal Carolina in there, I think. Or, no, they're FCS. I believe they're still FCS. I'm but not too sure. Don't quote me on that. You, you've got these schools, some of the Charleston, I think Charleston Southern's in there. You've got some of these like, no name schools that are in there mm-hmm. and apps ranked in the top 20 because they're 11 1 in a conference that nobody else is even competing in. Um, the Sun, the Sun Belt is basically FCS. Uh, I will say that. Uh, you, and you have good FCS teams. Yeah, you do. Like James Madison. James Madison could, on almost any given Saturday, beat any group of five team and some power five teams mm-hmm. on any given Saturday. That's yeah. why they – I mean, they were favored over North, North Dakota State. State. They, I, I, I still believe North Dakota State can beat anybody in the country. I, I agree. Anybody. <laughs> so – and, I mean, you, you have schools, I mean, you have schools that traditionally in FCS 
the only reason they're in the FCS is because of funding to other sports. They don't they can't get the sixteen varsity sports to get to that FBS level. Mm-hmm. That's why they have the funding for football. Oh, it's there. Yeah, but they they don't they don't actually do it. They don't actually get over that hump. So that that's our take on it. Um, and then I I don't like I said I don't think you should disavow the. Your, your conferences, but we're, but we'll, all, all we're arguing is that it's a it's a power six and not a power five. Yeah, because it's the the drop off from power five to the American Athletic Conference isn't much, if any, because the in my rankings I would have it go SEC, Big Twelve, mm-hmm. or no, I'd go SEC, Big Ten, Big Twelve, American Athletic Conference. Yep. Followed closely by the ACC, ACC yep. and then followed by a large margin, Pac-12. By the Pac-12. Yep. That that that's my ranking of the conferences. I think I honestly think that's quite accurate. Yeah. So, that I mean that's and me and Artie, we've had this discussion plenty of times. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, a lot. Of, <laughs> As a pink jeep rolls by us, <laughs> a lot of times we don't fully disagree on on these things. We we. Don't disagree on a lot of things. We may sound like we do on the podcast, but we yeah. we don't agree on a lot of sports takes. Like we had a really long conversation <laughs> about basketball the other day. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of takes we do not agree on. But this is one that I think that we all American Athletic Conference fans can can agree on, and um, I know all ECU fans probably do as well. Um, so no, don't don't disavow your conferences, but do uh, do say okay, yeah, the Pac-12. Is not worthy of being in the Power Five <laughs> only because Which, of how look, much money they look, have. The Pac-12 will bounce back. All right, your USC's will bounce back. Stanford, your Stanford's, your Oregon. UCLA's. Oregon, Oregon is already there. They're, they're going to be a top ten team this my, year. My, my thing in the my thing the with Pac-12 the, is going to bounce back. My thing with the Pac-12 is you have you have the Pac-12, and every single year it's a different team. You never have a team that's good year to year. Mm-hmm. Maybe Washington. They've been pretty good for the last four years or so. But really it's like, okay, USC goes off for a little bit. They're out for two to three years, and then Stanford pops out, and then they're back. But I will say the, the Pac-12 only goes where, the, where USC takes it. I mean, USC is the Alabama of the Pac-12. That's, yeah. their, that's their flagship program. So the, the Pac-12 only goes where the USC takes it. Yeah, I mean, you mean to tell me, like, you, the Utah Utes are <laughs> – uh, once again, I could go through these conferences and say, really, like, this team is a Power 5 team. Rutgers, Maryland, Boston College, yeah, Wake Forest. Like, yeah, Wake Forest has some good history, but so does Houston. So does ECU. So does Memphis. I mean, mm-hmm. you're looking at, I mean, Memphis and Houston. Oregon State. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not forget that Oregon State is a Power 5 school. I mean – you, to that same, to that same. I mean, you have Oklahoma State. Oh, uh, Oklahoma State's way better than Oregon State. Yeah, but at the Oklahoma same, State's actually legitimately in the top twenty-five every other year. But it's also one of those things where, okay, Oregon. You have Oregon and Oregon State, right? Mm-hmm. Oregon is the premier school program by, by in that state. Not even close. And then you have Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma a is, lot closer though. Oklahoma, yes, is 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 better, but Oklahoma State is still right there. They're still right there. It's it's like a it's like a they're, they're not competing for the Big Twelve, they're not competing for the Big Twelve. In, I year in, year this out. this year, I don't know if you've been paying attention to Oklahoma State. They're gonna have a pretty good squad this year. 
Yeah. They were ranked in the top 25 last year. But, they were but, ranked in the top 25 the year before that. I, I'm just saying that you've got schools like that that you, you – They've got the best running back in the country. They're random-ass schools. Like your, your Iowa State sometimes, Iowa's – Yeah, I, I, Iowa State is, is in there every now and then. Uh, Nebraska, maybe. Now, Nebraska traditionally is – Now, traditionally, Nebraska is one of the greatest but, programs of all time. But over the past four or five years, they're not, they're not as good. No. But – the problem with the Power Five is that the conferences are aligned based on how much money the universities bring in, mm-hmm. which is perfectly fine. It's a business. But if you want to talk about power conferences and actually having a fair playing field, let's talk about competitiveness. The American Athletic Conference can compete with almost any conference, if not all of them. Because yeah. when you have UCF go undefeated two years in a row, beat an Auburn team that had just lost to who, Georgia or Alabama Mm -hmm. in the SEC. I I can't remember. They they had just lost out. They didn't win the SEC championship. I want to say they finished 9-3. Auburn finished 9-3. But they were were expecting to go into the college football playoff. Didn't make it into the college football playoff. Had to play UCF in a New Year's Six game. And I'm pretty sure they got blown out by UCF. Like, they got throttled. They didn't, they didn't play up. They no. didn't play up for the game. They were disappointed. They were yeah. upset. And, and they honestly thought they were going to come in like, oh, it's UCF from a, you know, mid-major or whatever. We're just going to and then walk all over them. And then you, it didn't happen. And then you get – they say, okay, well, do it next year and we'll put you on the power – we'll put you on the playoffs. UCF goes undefeated second year in a row. And they end up going 25-1 and one in two years with a, the only loss being to LSU, the – Future national champions. I will say I was I was. Um, That's some bullshit. I had to clap for what UCF did though when they put the banner and they put the, you know, two thousand with the two thousand seventeen. They deserve college that shit. football national champions. They all got national championship rings. I, they I, I love that. that. I mean, technically they are national champions. That was the we want Bama year. <laughs> all the students were screaming we want Bama. So. That, that's my uh, that's my take on on this. This is our take on on all this. So. Uh, Michael and Ashley, y'all can – I feel like instead of talking to all of our listeners, I feel like I've been t- just talking to y'all, the two of y'all, um, for the past, I don't know, 20 minutes. But that's, uh, that, that's our take, okay? Um, I, don't disavow your conferences, but please be ready to admit that the American Conference belongs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Artie, we wanted to have our – we wanted to have – a debut mm-hmm. of a segment this week. Yep. Uh, you want to tell the listeners what, what, we're, what we're doing? Walk the plank. So this is something that when we started this podcast back in March, we said, hey, what are some cool segments we could do? Mm-hmm. And this is one that we both were like, yeah, this is a funny segment that's going to be like probably the headline of our show. Mm-hmm. It's called Walk the Plank. Okay? Walk the Plank is kind of like you're not top ten. <laughs> But we just focus on one person. On oh, one person, yep. And, Artie, I'll, I'll let you do the honors. You want me to, you want me to go ahead and start with mine? Yeah, I'll, I'll let you do the honors uh, for the first one. My very first walk to plank. It's, it's a guy I like. Really good guy. <laughs> uh, sixth man of the year, the sixth god himself, sweet Lou Williams. Lou, what are you doing, man? The playoffs Bruh. just started. Bruh. I understand you guys are in a bubble in Orlando. I understand it's going to be hard. You guys are multimillionaires. You're in the prime of your lives, in the best shape of your life. You know, I understand you guys, you know, you're going to want to go out and explore and see things and, and, and eat quality food. Dude, you messed up. But, brother, 
And, and, and for the people listening, if you don't know who Lou Williams is, he is a uh, basketball player for the Los Angeles Clippers. He messed up. And he got caught leaving the bubble, went down to Atlanta with a fellow rapper by the name of Jack Harlow. And he went to a very fine establishment. I encourage all men and women to visit this establishment in Atlanta. It is called Magic City. <laughs> very, very fine establishment. Do not a take lot your of kids. People, Do uh, not take your kids. <laughs> it's probably not for the kids, but it's very much for adults. I hear they have good wings. Now, their wings are world class, I hear. I haven't had them, but I hear that a lot of people go to Magic City just for the wings and not for the entertainment of Magic City. But with that being said, Sweet Lou Williams got caught red-handed in Magic City. Bruh. If you're going to go, don't don't take a pic, man. Like, why are you going to take a picture? You know you're supposed to be in Orlando, in this bubble, quarantining, about to start the season back Do they not have people up. watching and these the, guys and the like, Clippers, leave? They're not just some, you know, team that's, you know, kind of good. Like, they're title favorites with the Lakers and the Bucks. So this is a very good basketball team. See, th- this, is, this is my problem with it. When you look at the way the NHL and the NBA have handled this whole situation, they're doing it the right way. Oh, yeah, they're absolutely doing Put, it. Putting right. these players in the bubble. Yes. But – I will. I have to say, like looking at how the NBA set it up, where they have just the one location down in what is it, Orlando? Yeah. Um, which isn't Magic City in Atlanta? Magic City's in Atlanta. So you mean to tell me you left Orlando? Yes. To go to Atlanta? Yes. To a strip club to get wings? Yes. Yes. Walk the fucking plane. <laughs> <laughs> and I like Sweet Lou. Lou Williams has been a staple for years, but he, he messed up on but, this. But what, he going, messed up going on back this. to my point, what, what I was going to say was the way the NHL set things up, the NHL set up two hub cities. Mm-hmm. They have 22 teams. One for the Western Conference, one for the or, Eastern Conference. Yep, they, they have, what, 22 teams? 24 teams, excuse me, mm-hmm. um, in, in this bubble or in these two bubbles. You got one in Toronto, one in Edmonton. Right. So what they did basically was they put a fence around the arena and they have two hotels with, within the, that fence. One of those hotels has an underground tunnel going into the arena. Yeah. Which is dope as shit. Like, that, that's dope. That you could just walk under the tunnel and you're in the and arena. You're right there. Yeah. So also you have. That's called presidential access. You have like nine bars and restaurants that they've incorporated into the the bubble mm-hmm. so they've got people that are coming in and working that are quarantining or also quarantining or somehow they're members of the staff or nhl staff or something right they're coming in and they're that way they have entertainment and food like good food like four-star quality food like nhl players are accustomed to and i would think that nba players are accustomed to no i will say the, the first couple of weeks of the bubble, they didn't have actual chefs on campus. I think now the NBA has actual day, chefs. They're going to be eating good food. Day one, NHL had actual chefs. Mm-hmm. They have a golf simulator. They're playing cards. They have, like, a gambling room. And all these guys, they had zero tests going into the bubble. Yeah. So, like, if somebody tests positive, like, that just goes to show, okay, nobody – like, <laughs> if somebody tests positive, then – Either they left, or we don't know everything about the virus that we think we know. Right. 
So, and, and in, in the case of Lou Williams, he's going to have to do 10 days. 10 days self-isolation, self-quarantine before he can come back and practice and so, play with the team. So what I was saying, what I was trying to get at was the NBA doesn't sound like they've given the players a reason to stay in the bubble. But the NHL, like the players have a reason. Like the NHL players, they got to their rooms when they dropped their bags off in their rooms. Mm-hmm. They had pictures of their family members on the nightstands. How cool is that? Yeah. Pictures of their family members – on their nightstand. So there's a, I know there was one player on the Hurricanes, like they sent him a, they had a picture of him and his brother. He's a, his brother plays for the Flyers. And then he also had a picture of um, him and his dog, like just now, sitting there. I will say that's nice and sweet and all, but I don't care how accommodating you make it, having to stay in one place for two to three months is still going to get tiring. I get that. No matter how accommodating it is. But an- another thing that they did was, so where the, I don't even know, I don't watch soccer. Uh, Especially being away from wives oh, and girlfriends uh, and children. I, I, I watch real sports, but. Um, <laughs> We're not going to start this, man. We're I'm, not going to start this. I'm sorry. Uh, that, that, that was a dig at Brandon. <laughs> um, Brandon's a big time soccer guy. But uh, <laughs> I, I, what I was going to say was they opened up where, what's the Toronto soccer team beat now? Who they are? Nah, I don't actually. I don't know. So, yeah, it goes to show. So, I like soccer. I watch soccer, but I don't. I, 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 don't. I like women's soccer. Women's soccer can, is like, that's, that's the only soccer I'll watch is women's soccer. Oh. They, they're, they're actually competitive. Um, <laughs> but they opened up the Toronto MLS team stadium, basically. Mm-hmm. And so the teams can go out there and they can throw the football. They can they're playing spike ball. They're playing can jam. They're playing cornhole out there yeah. on the field, so that they can get they can get out of their rooms and they can walk around the hotels. They can interact mm-hmm. with each other there. So it's it's not like they're all just staying in their room all day. They're able to go out and about. They can go to like I said, they have nine different restaurants and bars open on site at all times. Right. So they can go and get food after after a game or before a game or whatever. They can sit by a pool. It's it's. They, I, I like the way that the NHL did it, and they, I, I gotta say they handled it. But I, I, I will say just just to end it all all, all off, I, I I think the NHL and the NBA will go on with no hiccups. Yep. No hiccups. Which uh, leads me to my walk the plank. Um, Get into it. So the my walk the plank is dedicated to another listener of the show, Catherine Brinkley. Shout out, Catherine, friend of the podcast. Uh, she's a big time Marlins fan. Yes, they do exist. I know. Oh, why? Catherine's a very smart woman. She shouldn't be a Marlins it's, fan. But it's because of this stadium right here next to us. They used to. So we record like right outside the Greensboro Grasshoppers Stadium, and they, uh, Greensboro Grasshoppers, were the single A affiliate for some time mm-hmm. for the Miami Marlins. So and she used to work for the Grasshoppers. That's why. Okay. But the Miami Marlins, Don Mattingly. Uh, y'all need to walk the freaking plank. Like, <laughs> y'all got four teams shut down in Major League Baseball because y'all wanted to vote on whether you should play or not when you knew that players had tested positive for the coronavirus. Yeah, walk the plank. That's all I got to say about it. Baseball, <laughs> baseball's gotten shut down partially. Braves are still playing. Four and three, baby. Um, yeah. Yeah, baseball's a mess right now. Base, 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 yeah, you got the Cardinals mess. and Brewers having to shut down. Yeah, they're gonna start playing double headers. Like if your team gets shut down for, you're gonna start playing like double headers like once a week or something like that I to mean, make games up. It makes sense. 
but it, it – it's, it's, Marlins do better. If any more of these teams come out, though, with positive tests, it's really going to turn into a nightmare. They're really not going to know what to do. It's not, it's not going to really turn into a nightmare until Mike Trout tests positive. <laughs> Rob Manfred's got his head so far up his ass that he doesn't know what to do. Like, Rob Manfred, like, people talk about Roger Goodell. Rob Manfred is the worst sports commissioner in all of sports. And I, what, I, what I'll give Roger Goodell credit for is that he at least tries. He sits down, he listens, and he at least tries. He's made a lot of mistakes, but he has learned from them, those mistakes, and he is trying. Now, the NFL is going to go without a bubble, too, I'm assuming. Yeah. And I don't know how that's going to work because this, that's the most physical sport we have in this country. So, mm. Okay. I, I know. I, I know you think hockey is, is, is right there, too. But, but yeah, know, you're not, they're, they're not you know, getting in car accidents every play the way these football guys are. So, CTE is not as big in hockey as it is in football. Run the numbers. Run the numbers. It's because hockey players actually play through it. Um, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, so, yeah, baseball, it's going to be rough, y'all. It's going to be rough. But uh, we, we will carry on, and hopefully the Braves will make their way. I, what, what did I say that they would do? I said they were going to get, what, 38 and 22? Something like that. I had to take that my White Sox was going to go 41 and 19. That was a bad I think take. We're sitting at two and three right now. That's a bad take. The future's still bright. Future's still bright, future's but that's a bad bright. take. <laughs> um, yeah, four teams shut down in the Eastern conferences, I guess, divisions of baseball. You had the Orioles, Yankees, Phillies, and Marlins. Two members of the Phillies, uh, their coaching and their training staff, I guess, or administrative staff. Have tested positive for the Phil- uh, for the Phillies um, for coronavirus, so they should. If nobody tests positive for them anymore, if no players test positive, they should be able to play starting, I believe, Tuesday. Um, but did you see what they're doing with the Miami Marlins players that tested mm-hmm. positive? So the Marlins have been holed up in in uh, Philadelphia for the last week, over a week. That's a crappy city to be stuck in for a week Philly so they're stuck in Philly never been to Philly I'm not gonna speak on Philly I've been once I went to a I went to a Phillies game it was, it was all right um lots of good lots of good museums um but that's about it cheesesteaks not that great um so anyways go to Philly and they're, they're staying there and then they said okay well any player that has coronavirus on the Marlins you know what they did for them instead of getting them a plane instead of getting them a charter back to Miami they're, they've rented out uh, those sleeper buses, and they're going to bus these guys back from Philadelphia all the way down to freaking Miami. You know how long of a bus ride that is? That's like a that's terrible. That's like a twenty-two hour bus ride. That's terrible. Because from here, from North Carolina to Miami, that's like a fourteen-hour drive. I might just opt out of the season just because of that. <laughs> twenty-two hours on a bus—that'd be terrible. But whatever. Um, so, Artie, we have some Twitter questions. Mm-hmm. We're about to wrap up, but let's get to these Twitter questions real quick. Let's see here. Um, first, first question. Let's see. Trying to find it. Trying to find it. Trying to find it. Holden has gotten some love from the national media these past few weeks by being named to some pretty big preseason award watch lists. How do you think he handles the pressure, and what are your expectations for him 
in the offense this season. That was sent in by John Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, John, I think that Holton will be able to handle the pressure. I, I think that being a hometown quarterback, he's already been handling the pressure fairly well um, in his first two years at ECU. I think nothing's going to change about that. I think he's going to continue to progress in his abilities. Um, I, I would, wouldn't be surprised to see him take that next step forward um, and make some noise this year. I, I don't think he'll win. We've seen that with the Bolitnikoff Award when Zay Jones was slighted uh, a couple of years ago. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my take on Holt Naylor's. He, he'll be able to handle it. Yeah, I mean, all, all, the, all the pressure's off, in, in, in my opinion. I mean, the jitters are out. He's, he's got, you know, that, that, that first season really of starting under, under his belt. And if, if, if it's anything like the back half of last season, uh, we're in for something special. So I think Houghton's going to be just fine. Okay, and then, and then last question from PD, our boy PD. He keeps sending these things in. <laughs> uh, with ECU losing another game due to SEC scheduling, uh, due to the SEC scheduling conference-only game, sorry, my, I'm losing my spot, which in-state ACC team would you want to see us play? Because the ACC said that you can, you can have an in-state opponent. Mm-hmm. So we've got four in-state teams. We can maybe schedule two of those mm-hmm. and get back to twelve games. Who would you like to see us schedule? I think I've, I think I've, I think I've said this a few weeks ago on the podcast. I'd love to see Duke ECU. Um, You're but, a Duke fan. I am a Duke fan, but it's just it's just something we haven't seen in a while. I think 2001 was the last time we played Duke. Yep. Uh, we always play State. We always play Carolina. We always whip their ass. I'd like for us to play somebody new like. Duke, or maybe even a Wake Forest, throw Wake in there. Um, I'd love to see that matchup, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I'd like to see a, I'd like to see a Duke or ECU and Wake Forest game. And then, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, my, my wife's a Carolina alum. That's always fun to. Carolina's always gonna be fun. That, that's I will always say that. fun. ECU I mean, Carolina will always be fun. Win, win or lose, I, I prefer us to win. But, and we usually do. We usually come out against uh, Carolina and, and end up beating them. But. Yeah, that, that's what I would say um, is mine. I'd like to see us play Carolina and play Wake. Okay. Um, I think year. Wake would be really good. I think Wake, ECU. I don't know if they've ever played each other. Yeah, they've played, they've each, played, other. Each, they've other? played okay. each other. And they've got some games on the schedule for future times. Yeah. Um, for, I think, 2023 is the first game. But, yeah, um, that's that's it. Um, good show today, man. Yeah, same. Good show. Same to you. So, do you have any final thoughts? No, nah, that was it. All right, that's I've it. i got nothing. Stay safe. Stay healthy, uh, Power Nation. Yep, all right. Well, everybody stay safe, wear your masks, and uh, go Pirates. Peace.